This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It is the Robin Lundberg Show coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Need to know what it takes for a home to fit your budget and your family? Rocket can. I'm going to get to you guys on the phones in just a second. I just want to get to a couple topics I haven't gotten to. Um, one, Tim Tebow cut by the Jaguars this week. I never understood why it was such a big deal that he was trying out for them, to be honest with you. I know, like, ah, he's taking a spot from somebody good. He was boys with Urban Meyer. They thought they'd excite the fan base. And either he was going to be undeniably good and make the team, or more likely he'd be cut, which he was. <laughs> Those Tim Tebow Jaguars jerseys, they'll uh, last forever, though, right? They were like the highest seller for secondary. I mean, there's something about Tebow that resonates with a certain portion of the fan base. Um, and Jacksonville probably is indicative of it because it's in those college areas. It's in southern states. It's, you know, whether it's that connection to him at Florida or what he represents to them or some religious thing, like people have a thing for Tebow. And then the opposite, people hate him too, which seems a little extreme. Uh, perhaps that's the overexposure. You know, feeling he, he gets more attention than he's worth or opportunities he doesn't deserve. He's failed enough, you know. He gave it the old college try, even though he hasn't been good since college. Uh, Tebow, to me, I mean, Tebow time's finally over, though. I mean, I'm not going to hate on the guy for, for trying something. And, and he's more accomplished than most anybody is at other things, right? Like, maybe the best college quarterback of all time. Had that run with the Broncos was a better baseball player than the average baseball player. That's not in the majors. Uh, but now it's over with, and it's done. So this is the the last chance to talk about Tim Tebow probably um, in, in any current relevancy. So I, I just would uh, take this opportunity to say goodbye to Tebow time. Uh, another thing I, I didn't get to that I, I think deserves recognition is, is still Shohei Otani and what he's been doing. I know Anthony got upset that day that I, I said that he's the best baseball player ever uh, on this show. I stand by that comment as far as his all-around ability. No one has played ba- – let's put it this way. No one has played baseball at a higher level than Shohei Otani is right now. The guy has 40 home runs. And a 2.79 ERA. 40 home runs and a 2.79 ERA. He's the fastest angel ever to 40 home runs, beating the likes of Mike Trout and Albert Pujols. And he has the highest strikeout rate of any pitcher 
ever for the Angels, beating Nolan Ryan. It's wild what the guy has done. It's too bad he won't be seen in the playoffs. Too bad baseball, you know, like it's not basketball where an individual can carry a team in a sport. But this guy has had an absolutely legendary season. And there's really no comparison for him. He should be the unanimous MVP of the American League. And, you know, that says a lot because Vladimir Guerrero has had a hell of a season. But there's no question. Uh, I mean, you may he may have just had the best, or he may be in the midst of, it's still going on, the best baseball season all around anyone's ever seen. I mean, he's not the best hitter anyone's ever seen, but he's hitting at an extraordinarily high level. And he's not the best pitcher anyone's ever seen, but he's pitching at an extraordinarily high level. And he can run the bases. I don't know if that hasn't happened. Babe Ruth didn't do it to the level that Otani has done it this season. Let's go to Vic in D.C. Vic, you're on the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. What's up now, Rob? What's good, man? So the greatest moment to me, uh, obviously The Rock had many spectacular, uh, extraordinary, super effortless, uh, you know what I mean, the Mary Poppins movie. Super-califragilistic moments, moments, yeah. Um, But the one that sticks out to me is when he rock-bottomed Shane and Vince, and he said, finally, The Rock has come back to the WWF. That was a great moment for me because I just could not see him go to the Alliance with ECW and WCW. I would have puked if that had happened. Um, I'm from the uh, D.C. area, um, um, outside of the D.C. area, uh, Peachy County, the suburb I'm, I'm from. Um, I've been a Washington football fan for over 25 years. I just want to see us win games. <clears throat> I understand why they changed, why they still understood. I understand why they understood why they changed the name um, because it was it was offensive. It was offensive to enough people, and if it's offensive to enough people, let's, it's, it's not going to hurt us to change it. Um, if, if Washington's winning, it doesn't matter uh, what the name is. People are going to forget that quickly. Lastly, I'm looking forward to see how Trey Lance performs. Um, Kyle Shanahan is a distant disciple of Bill Walsh because of his father. Um, and he has uh, done pretty good at manufacturing quarterbacks and systems. He did it with Robert Griffin III. Robert Griffin had a listen and was not so arrogant and uh, uh, spoiled by Dan Snyder. Uh, Robert Griffin may have, may have had a solid career in the NFL, may have had a great career in the NFL. Um, but Trey Lance is, is, is in Kyle's system that can hide him. Uh, which is what Bill Walsh did for Joe Montana for a couple of years. Um, I'll say about a year and a half, and what he did for Steve Young about three or four years. And we all saw what happened. With, we know the history with Joe. We know the history with Steve. So I'm looking forward to see, see what he could do with Trey. Um, I like Kyle. I hope the 49ers uh, can amass some more wins. They haven't looked really good in the past years, but they've been really injury-laden. Um, and uh, if you smell what the Rock is cooking. If you smell out uh, with the rock is cooking, I think Robert Griffin's failure was more due to um, injury than anything else, to be honest with you. Uh, remember that game where he, he couldn't get to the sideline barely and, and he, he stuck in that game. He had a, a really good rookie season, but I don't disagree with most of your points, uh, you know, to I'm sure to varying degrees on, on some of it. But, you know, I want to see Trey Lance play, too. I think there's a mystery and a ceiling with Trey Lance. That is very, very intriguing. Let's go to Matt in South Carolina. Matt, 
You're up next here on the Robin Lundberg Show on CBS Sports Radio. What's going on, Matt? What's up, Robin? Thanks for taking my call, my friend. You got it. All right, I got a couple things here. First off, uh, Trevor Lawrence is who I'm looking to see. Uh, of course, I'm a Clemson fan. I live right near it. And, uh, that he, makes sense, then. <laughs> yeah, Trevor, Trevor, Trevor uh, I got to see him practice, got to see him play every game. So I've, I've, I've studied him, and, and he's been a winner his whole career. So I'm interested to see how he can translate to the NFL. And, you know, I, I think he's going to have a good rookie season, and I think it's going to be a learning curve. He, he, he went at Clemson. He had immediate success his freshman year, but his first game, he got knocked out against Syracuse, so he's he's the one that's had to like, oh man, I gotta next level this. So I think he's got it in him to do that. You know, I've seen it, I've seen him do it. So hopefully he translates good to the NFL. He's got his boy Tra- Travis Hitchy in there too. So you know, maybe they'll get him on the field with him a good bit, and he'll make him you know kind of feel a little more comfortable. And he knows he's got a guy who'll catch the ball no matter what for him. And um. And I, I got something that's probably you probably I don't think you bung up, but I'd like to ask you about it, take your uh, take on it, uh, and I'll get off air. Uh, the NIL um, NIL situation. I I really think. I mean, I'm all for. It. I played I played ball at Newberry College, okay, and you know it's to be an athlete and be playing ball to have a little bit of money in your pocket more is great. I'm all for that. But the thing is, is if when you start getting these these snakes boosters and snakes, you know what I mean? It's it's just opening up Pandora's box, my friend. Like like for a better term, it's just it's just something that I do not think is going to be a good thing. And the SEC is they're they're making moves now because they're trying to get a super conference to get the big contract to be able to offer these things. You know what I mean? Well, I, I think. You know, if if you're a fan of traditional college sports and the way that they were structured, uh, it may not be a good thing. It's the just thing, though, is what I would say. And, you know, talk about boosters. They were already there. We were already talking about recruiting scandals all the time, and, and people just grew numb to them and didn't care. Or, you know, uh, an agent trying to, to uh, get to a player. Or, you know, various things like that. Like, you know, shoe companies uh, trying to get to a player. That, that stuff already happened. Uh, now, as far as player, I, I, I mean, I, you won't hear me say a negative thing about people being able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. It, it's only fair. How it how it shapes, takes shape, um, that remains to be seen. I have no idea exactly how it's going to play out, but I, I do think it's the right thing. Whether it, it changes the, the dynamic of college sports and the landscape, that remains to be seen. I mean, I think the NCAA, as we know it, has been on limited time for a minute here. But uh, I'm not sure, you know, there's always negative to anything. I mean, pe- pe- you can, people can take advantage of anything, um, but that doesn't mean it's, it's the wrong thing in, in my mind. How about uh, Mike in St. Louis? Mike, you're up next here on the Robin Lundberg Show on CBS Sports Radio. Good morning, Robin. How are you doing this morning, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm always great. I, I don't have a, an exact great match in mind, but I, I grew up in St. Louis, and we had wrestling at the chase here. Uh-huh. Nature Boy was a rookie uh, when he was shown on our local television stations, and he went up against some of the great wrestlers of the 70s. 
King Kong Bruiser Brody, Rufus R. Jones, the Briscoe brothers. And it was an extraordinary thing to watch him develop into what he has become today, going up, uh, going up against great wrestlers back in the day. Well, look, I mean, Ric Flair has been around for a, a long, long time. I mean, he just got released. I think he got his release from WWE, but he was not obviously an active wrestler uh, yes. anymore. But he's on – I mean, he's on the Mount Rushmore or the top five at worst. Uh, some people would say, I think Stone Cold calls him the greatest uh, of all time. Uh, he's got to be on on any list. You, I mean, you you if you make a top ten list and he's not on, it, you need to be uh, uh, confined for your own safety. Um, top five, he he should be on, and he, you could even argue higher than that. I mean, you can argue him. I think anywhere from one, two, five or so, five, six, something like that. Let's go to Austin in South Carolina. Austin, you're up next here on the Robin Lundberg Show. What's going on, Austin? Hey, how are y'all? Doing well, man. How are you? Doing well. Um, obviously from South Carolina, so um, I'm a Clemson fan as well. I look forward to seeing what Kevin does. But um, I wanted to ask a question about the Cam newton Mac Doll situation. Why is it to me, I, I just, with Cam's run ability, it just makes sense to me to make him a running back or fullback and let Mac Jones take the reins at quarterback. But I just want to take that off the air. Yeah, good one. Well, uh, Cam Newton's proven himself a quarterback, right? Like, let's not act like Cam Newton's not a proven quarterback. He's just hasn't been in his prime. He had injuries sort of uh, take their toll on him, injury attrition over time. If Mac Jones does wind up being the quarterback, you're not going to make Cam Newton a running back. What you could do is use Cam Newton in specific situations, like you've seen. You know, I don't know if Cam would be down for that. I mean, because it's a bit of a, a blow to the ego. Um, but I, I could see certain packages with Cam Newton at quarterback. That is, if he isn't the starter. But I don't think you convert him to running back or anything like that. It's almost disrespectful in a sense because this guy's a quarter and he was an MVP. You know, he's a Hall of Fame level kind of quarterback. Let's go to Neil in St. Louis. Neil, you're up next. What's going on, Neil? How you doing, Robin? I'm doing well myself, thank you. you got it. Uh, I, I didn't a... even ask. Did I, did I say how you doing? I, but I, no, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope everybody's doing well. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, when you brought up this subject, kind of brought a tear to my eye because it reminisced the days when I'd sit down and watch wrestling with my pops mm. those Saturday afternoons, you know, just before uh, the Westerns would come on. But he'd, he'd love Bob Backlund, you know, Chief J. Strombo, all those guys, Andre the Giant when he used to fight the Midgets. It, the it just uh, smaller, brought back a lot of memories. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, so I, I just wanted to touch base on that. Well, look, I mean, I, I, I think that's part of the appeal of professional wrestling is, like I said, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. And there's some, I think we all have, from the most of us, have some sort of memory recollection of it um, throughout our life, whether you're an avid fan or not. And, and one of the things that's gotten me more into it of late is my kids. Uh, you know, I was always a f- sort of a f- I would always consider myself a fan, but I've become a more ardent fan in modern times of late because of my kids in the pandemic. Because, you know, I put on a I put on a Royal Rumble one day 
when the pan early in the pandemic when we were trapped inside i just randomly put on a royal rumble and that changed everything in, in our household <laughs> at that point in time you know that changed everything and my my son raj has a box of like a hundred wrestling figures and his belts and and my daughter ronnie's uh you know she'll participate in the matches sometimes too and she's been um uh, she's become a, a fan of Bianca Belair as of late. And when I try to motivate her to um, – she was at the park the other day. Uh, Raj was doing a sports practice, and she was playing with some girls at the park, and they were climbing on these, uh, you know, like jungle gym things. And she was afraid. And I was like, you're Bianca Belair. You could you could do it. And she thinking of – because the day after she watched the Bianca Belair match, she was trying to do all this acrobatic stuff. And then sure enough, next time I looked over, she was on top of the the bars – on the jungle gym so there you have it like i said i put on that royal rumble and the rest was history all right we'll get into the nfl at large coming up next as the season is rapidly approaching it is the rapid lundberg show here on cbs sports radio you're listening to the robin lundberg show talking a little nfl on the show as the season is rapidly approaching, only a few weeks away now. And I'm joined by Jordan Dejani, CBS Sports NFL writer, to do so. And Jordan, uh, is the story of the NFL season, at least as we stand right now, the rookie QBs? Hey, what's going on, Robin? Thanks for having me on. I was busy running through a brick wall when you bring me into that kind of music. I absolutely <laughs> love it. No, but when it comes to the biggest storyline in the NFL, especially since, you know, we're in the midst of the preseason, I think it's definitely these rookie quarterbacks. And, you know, in the past we've seen some rookie signal callers come in and completely transform franchises because they are the most important position in football. And we have several intriguing talents to discuss. So in my mind, yes, it is the story of the NFL moving into the regular season. Now, when you look at them, uh, let me start with a couple questions. One, which of those quarterbacks are you most excited to see play, you know, in, in extended real regular season action? Yeah, that's a great question. And the easy answer is all of them. But to be more specific, I'm very interested in Justin Fields from Ohio State. I mean, this was a talent that fell down draft boards probably more than he should have. I think he was my number two quarterback in the class. Um, and then also the, the big thing is the team that he's on. I mean, the Chicago Bears defense has been very good over the past few years. It got him to the playoffs last year. Now if you can introduce a quarterback who can make an immediate impact, that obviously heightens your ceiling as a franchise. So uh, there's a lot of optimism in Chicago. I think Justin Fields has an NFL-ready arm. I think he can be a legitimate dual-threat weapon. He's somebody who I think can really transform the franchise. So I have to say that I'm excited to watch him. What are your thoughts on Trey Lance? Because uh, he might be my answer to that question for two reasons. One, the mystery almost, because so many of us haven't seen him play very much. Uh, and then the, the ceiling as well, not to mention what San Francisco gave to, to get him. And, and to, to your point about Chicago, it does seem like the 49ers ha have a lot on that roster, you know, otherwise. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, this guy is extremely interesting, especially with what he's been able to do with highlight real plays in training camp and then in his one preseason game. You know, we, I just talked about the Bears and Justin Fields potentially transforming that franchise. Well, Trey Lance can definitely do the same for the 49ers. I mean, last year was a throwaway uh, season for this franchise because they had so many injuries on both sides of the ball. Don't forget, they're just one year removed from a Super Bowl appearance. If you introduce 
a Patrick Mahomes-like Trey Lance gunslinger who loves to throw the ball down the field and make plays. They got a, a budding dual threat at wide receiver with Brandon Ayuk and Debo, Debo Samuel. Uh, Trey Lance could absolutely transform this 49ers offense, and I think we've seen his big arm in display up to this point. Robin Lundberg talking to Jordan Dejani, CBS Sports NFL writer here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, so with those two guys, when do you expect that those transitions to happen, both with, with Andy Dalton, who says it's still his time, and, and Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Sam Fran? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it's something that everyone's wondering about. And I know our guys over at Sportsline for CBS have been trying to identify potential insertion points for these two rookie quarterbacks come the regular season. Um, for me, just looking at the Bears' schedule, they start off the year against the Rams. That's going to be a very tough game. They then play the Bengals in Week 2. They then play the Browns in Week 3. The Browns are expected to be a very good team. Um, so they could, they could potentially be 1-2 and two, or maybe even if all things go wrong, 0-3 oh entering Week 4. There, they host the Detroit Lions, who are not expected to be that great of a franchise. So if Andy Dalton's on a short leash and he struggles during those first three weeks, um, I, I would assume that, that Justin Fields could get his first start in week four. Now, as for the 49ers, um, you know, I would rather have Jimmy Garoppolo as my quarterback than I would have Andy Dalton. And, but, uh, but the same thing kind of goes for what, what, how, you know, how long their leash is going to be entering the regular season. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be on a very short leash. He's struggled with his health. He's been inconsistent at times. So if the 49ers aren't living up to their potential early in the regular season, at least as Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch see it, then I wouldn't be surprised to see Trey Lance be inserted into the starting lineup. Of course, Kyle Shanahan's been asked a million times, when is Trey Lance going to take over? When will you consider that? And Shanahan's always answered by saying, when I feel like he gives – um, the team the best chance to win. And we could see that early in the regular season if Jimmy Garoppolo struggles. Now, the, the, the quarterback battle that I think is actually the most intriguing is the one in New England um, because Cam Newton looked sharp the other night. I mean, I, I've, I've referenced that uh, he's been more Cam Kent than Super Cam in, in recent years, and, and that's no disrespect to, to what Cam Newton was as a player. I, I think he was tremendous. Uh, it's just, you know, injury attrition. He doesn't, hasn't looked like the same guy. But he, he looked really sharp and looked like somebody who was trying to keep that job uh, the other night, um, made some nice throws. Obviously, we, we know what he can do on the ground. Different style than, than Mac Jones. Mac Jones comes in, and you, you're reminded of what the Patriots offense used to look like, right? The, the, the way it r runs on schedule, it, 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 his ability to, to make quick decisions, get the ball out quick, throw the ball a little further down the field. Uh, how do you see that one playing out? Because to me, that one se seems to be the most of a almost like a battle at the moment rather than uh, uh, a slow tr uh, a transition. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's very interesting. And I think you're right in the sense of a legitimate quarterback battle when it comes to the rookie quarterbacks. But in terms of a legitimate quarterback battle in the grand scheme of the NFL, I don't think it's a battle like it, like we're seeing with the Denver Broncos with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. I would expect Cam Newton starts the regular season. But i got to be honest with you, Robin. I'm kind of out on Cam Newton. Yes, he looked very sharp in those first few drives against the Eagles, but I think the Eagles also are a very bad secondary, and they didn't show up to play, whether it was the first team, second team, or third team earlier this weekend. So 
with Mac Jones, man, I mean, I was very, I was impressed with what he did against Philly, but I was also really impressed with what he did in his first preseason action. 13 and 19, 87 yards. He looked really comfortable. He looked poised. And you, you brought it up about what the Patriots offense used to look like. He also threw a really good deep ball that unfortunately fell incomplete because of the A-plus coverage, but he couldn't have thrown the ball any better. And then, of course, we saw that viral stat from week one of the preseason, the average depth of target. 7.6 yards for Mac Jones versus 0.7 of a yard for Cam Newton. So in the grand scheme of things, I feel like Mac Jones can add more to this offense than Cam Newton does, not with his legs, but also, but, but, but by pushing the ball down the field. So I think Cam Newton is going to start the regular season, but we are going to see Mac Jones start some games in 2021, in my opinion. What about, um, Urban Meyer saying, you know, the, the quarterback battle is still going on in Jacksonville. Do you buy that? Do you think there there's a chance that Gardner Minshew is starting? <laughs> I, I've i been trying to, like, rationalize, you know, what, what could be Urban Meyer's purpose in saying that this is a quarterback battle. Maybe he just wants to – Trevor Lawrence to earn, you know, the title and earn that respect. But we saw in the first preseason game, he only played for two series, but he got the starters treatment, if you will. So I'm not sure what his reasoning is with saying that it's, there's a legitimate quarterback battle. I think we all expect Trevor Lawrence is going to be the starter week one, but the fact that he's drawing it out this long almost makes me nervous and think that Gardner Minshew might have a chance, but no, I'm going to put my money on Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I, I, I think so, too. So is it only – is Zach Wilson the only one without any competition? It, it would appear so. Yep, Zach Wilson is the Jets franchise quarterback moving forward, and he's got the starters treatment and will continue to get that moving forward. Robin Ludwig talking to Jordan Dejani, CBS Sports NFL writer here on CBS Sports Radio. Let me ask you one question that I asked the audience at the outset of the show. And that was, who would you dub the most important player in the NFL this season? It's a little bit of a semantic trick because I think, in general, the most important player is the most valuable player and the best player. So the real answers are Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers and so on and so forth. But to my selection for that specific wording was Baker Mayfield because I feel like there's a lot of expectations for the Browns and how Baker Mayfield plays is going to be the biggest determining factor of whether they're met or not. Do you have an answer for who you think is the, the single most important player in the NFL this season when it comes to just swaying you know, from one end of the spectrum to the other for a team? Yeah, you kind of took mine. I guess that's a very chalk answer is Baker Mayfield. But, I mean, I, I think that's the correct answer when you ask the question the way you did because – Baker Mayfield has definitely shown flashes. I don't think that we've necessarily seen him be able to take over the game with his arm on a consistent basis. And when you examine that roster, I mean, from the wide receiving court to the offensive line to the dynamic duo at running back to the defense, which I think is going to be vastly improved, even though they're in a tough division, everything is set up for Baker Mayfield to find success. Now, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but I think they should be a playoff team, and I think they should win one or two playoff games. They should be in that position to – to, you know, compete for a Lombardi trophy. Um, and obviously, you know, Baker Mayfield, he, I've kind of identified him as the X factor. And that's not, that's not a lazy way of saying that just because he's the quarterback. Like I said, this team is set up for success, and they want Baker Mayfield to take yet another step forward and show that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And if he indeed shows he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, then this Cleveland Browns team is going to be one of the best in the NFL. Yeah, no, no question about that. I mean, he, he's what could make the difference in, in them uh, meeting some of the Super Bowl expectations uh, I know they, they have uh, in Cleveland. Jordan, appreciate your time this morning. Enjoy the rest of the weekend, man. Thank you.
Anytime, Robin. Thank you so much. You're listening to The Robin Lundberg Show. You heard the man. If you missed any portion of the show, you know what to do. If you want to weigh in on the show, you know what to do. 855-212-4227. Robin Lundberg Show, Saturday mornings, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern. And if you're familiar with the show, you know what I'm about to do, which is get to all the topics I have not covered yet in another one. Anthony, what's up first, man? All right, so on Bleacher Report's new series, Chips, Draymond Green asked Kevin Durant how much their argument back in 2018 played a part in his decision to leave the Golden State Warriors. It wasn't an argument. It was the, the way that everybody, Steve Kerr, act like it didn't happen. Bob Myers and tried to just discipline you and think that that would put the mask over everything. I really felt like that was such a big situation for us as a group. The first time we went through something like that, we had to get that all out. So, Robin, did the Warriors mishandle that situation? No. That's between Kevin Durant and Draymond Green. Sorry, guys. You're the two in the room who could figure that out. What are the rest supposed to do? What are they supposed to do? They, they, they discipline Draymond Green, as he said, or whatever. They punish him, whatever. What are they supposed to do? They can't, you know solve that for you so that felt to me and i love kd uh, obviously the warrior team is amazing i just said you know kevin durant's the best player on the planet to me now but sorry guys that that's um you know passing the buck there that's shirking the responsibility for what that da- went down and and you know that confrontation you could understand if it rubbed kd the wrong way and draymond has an incredibly long leash um, for a player who's an excellent player, don't get me wrong, and a key cog in what the Warriors did, but not on the same level as a Kevin Durant uh, in, in the hierarchy of things. Um, but I don't know who else is supposed to solve that for them but those two. So to let it linger and then to act like other people should have solved it it wasn't my favorite. I mean, look, I don't really, I'm not upset about it. I don't, <laughs> not, I'm not like angry that that's what they said. But I personally just don't see how you can put that necessarily on the organization when you're dealing with individuals. What's next? We're a big Marvel fan, so let's uh, do our own version of what if, uh, shall we? So uh, during an interview on the All the Smoke podcast, Carmelo Anthony said that the Pistons promised him in the weeks leading up to the draft in 2003 that they would select him with the number two overall pick. Of course, that did not happen. Detroit would wind up uh, taking Darko Milicic. Anthony also said he believed Detroit would have won back-to-back titles if they selected him. So would the Pistons have gone back-to-back in 2004 and 2005 if they drafted Carmelo? Well, look, it's not a hard case to make. It's actually a very easy case to make. Obviously, Carmelo Anthony, a better player than Darko. Um, And, you know, any questions about Carmelo's game or whatever, uh, that Pistons team would have ironed that out, I think, because they had so many vets. They had so many strong personalities. They had a cohesive unit. I mean, that, that's one of those exceptions that proves the rule team because they weren't superstar-laden. I mean, they had very good players, don't get me wrong. Uh, basically, an all-star at every position was the starting five. I think it was um, Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, Tayshawn Prince, Ben Wallace, and Rasheed Wallace. So 
it's easy to say that they would have went back to back because they won the title in 04, a gentleman sweeping the Lakers, and they went seven games with the Spurs the next year. So there is not like, you know, there was a team that flamed out the next year. They went to the NBA Finals and were in a game seven to possibly go back to back without Carmelo Anthony. So do I think it's possible that Carmelo Anthony would have been enough of a difference to get them one win? Yeah, <laughs> probably so over Darko. Um, we'll never know. Of course, and, and I don't know beyond that. I mean, y- you never know how circumstances change things, but it obviously would have been the, the better draft pick. I mean, that's, you know, without question. What's next? So the Los Angeles Clippers are bringing back Eric Bledsoe. A trade with the Grizzlies sends Bledsoe to the Clippers in part for Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo. Uh, Bledsoe spent his first three seasons in Los Angeles after being the 18th pick overall out of Kentucky in 2010 before going to Phoenix, Milwaukee, and New Orleans. Does this trade make the Clippers better? Um, you know, it's worth it. I, I don't know how much better it makes it. It's hard to say because the Kawhi Leonard injury situation is really the only thing that matters for the Clippers, how healthy he is. Um. I like what Patrick Beverly brings to the table as an irritant and the like. You know, he's been okay at the corner three, stuff like that. Um, but Eric Bledsoe, I'm not a huge fan of his game. At least I wasn't. But that was also when he's being cast as a key part of a team. In this case, he is much further down the, the pecking order as a role player. So I do think there's a chance... Given that, you know, when when you've seen guys when when their roles change resurrect themselves, heck, we just saw it with um, Reggie Jackson with the Clippers. I could see that happening with Eric Bledsoe. You know, Ty Lue's an excellent coach, um, getting the most out of him. And does he have more talent uh, than you know the guys that they traded away at this point in their careers? Yeah. So I, I think there's a chance they get slightly better as a result, but. The, the real thing with the Clippers is going to be the health of, of Kawhi Leonard's knee. What's next? So when DeMar DeRozan's deal with the Bulls was first reported, some thought it was an odd fit for a team that already had Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine in its backcourt, but DeRozan dismissed that concern during his introductory press conference in Chicago. I mean, it's basketball. A lot of people I see criticizing, talking about fit this, fit that, have probably never even played basketball, DeRozan said. For me, if everybody is on the same page mentality and wants to win, it don't matter about a fit because it's all going to come together, how it needs to come together and make it work because at the end of the day, the common denominator is winning. Is DeRozan a good fit for the Bulls? He's a talent upgrade. Look, the Bulls are a lot more talented than they were. Um, they have added Vucevic. They've added Ball. They've added DeRozan. I'm a big fan of Zach Levine. Uh, I think Zach Levine has a ton of talent. He can shoot the ball. He he jumps off the ground like he's on you know a pole vault or something or bouncy springs or pogo sticks or whatnot. I mean, he's got bunnies out of this world. Uh, and, and I think he has the potential to be a true star. So that's the, the number one thing is, is is Levine taking a step forward. But I don't see it being such an awkward fit. I mean, Lonzo Ball is never really looking to shoot the ball. I mean, that that's his biggest problem. He doesn't attack the rim enough. 
He's not aggressive enough in that regard. DeRozan's more in the mid-range, and Levine can, can float anywhere. So I, I don't think the fit is that awkward. I, I think their talent is upgraded, but to not be a middling team, they're going to need a couple of the players, and it's not going to be DeRozan at this point in his career. I think it's more Lonzo Ball to take another step forward in their career. Um, or Vucevic to really have you know a monster season around more talent. I, I think Levine is their best chance of that because I think he can, like I said, take a step to a, a true star level. But I, I see the Bulls in that mix of you know five, six, seven in the East, somewhere in that range, which is way better than they've been for a long time. But I, I don't reject the the fit per se. What's next? So Naomi Osaka, she broke down in tears during a pre-match press conference uh, when a journalist asked Osaka how she balanced the benefits of a big media profile with not speaking to reporters. Afterwards, Osaka's agent called the journalist a bully. Uh, any issue with the reporter's question? Um, not completely. I... I, I Read read to me again. What what was the exact question? So the reporter asked Osaka how she balanced the benefits of a big media profile Uh with not speaking to reporters. Okay. So she's essentially, in a way, there is an implied criticism there of hypocrisy, of using the media for your benefit to boost your brand and profile while not wanting to speak with the media. I don't think, you know, there's anything nefarious in what Naomi Osaka is doing. I Ever since I first saw her on the scene with Serena Williams, she had a little bit of a sheepish uh, demeanor, uh, seemed a little awkward in those situations, like it was tense for her, anxiety-ridden for her. Uh, on the, the court, she's tremendous. Um, she seems like a, a very likable uh, woman to me. I, I, I don't have a, a complete problem with the question because, look, when you're – Facing the questions, part of it is is answering tough ones, even if they're not necessarily framed in a way that is in the best spirit. And 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 I, I think this is borderline there. But uh, you know, I respect Naomi Osaka's decision when she did it. I thought that the tennis could have handled it much better and said, "Hey, we're excusing you because we care for mental health. We will approach this and how we're going to you know handle it going forward." to reach a resolution that is good for all parties involved. But if she is out there facing the questions, I'm not going to say that that was like too far across the line. What's next? All right. Finally, uh, did you see the, the first full fledged uh, trailer for Eternals that dropped this week? I did. What did you think? Did it give you you amped up anymore for the movie or I, I I can't be that amped up just because I don't care about those characters. I don't know those characters. Um, I'm intrigued, as I always am, with the Marvel stuff to see where they're taking it and to see if they can add, somehow pull off another Guardians of the Galaxy, right? And on top of that, like the the star power in that movie is really high. I mean, they, they, they yeah, and, you know, they, we got more about ba- you know, we got more information about you know who these people are and you know, you know where the hell have you been? You know, why yeah. weren't uh, where were you when Thanos was trying to uh, destroy the universe? So I would say I'm more intrigued than excited, if that makes sense, just because, and, uh, you know, the, the other movies and the, the blueprint that they laid before with the characters I grew up with, I, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever read the Eternals in, in comic book form, but that doesn't mean they're not going to take it in cool, crazy directions, and obviously they've got something planned.
for for that movie as they do with their whole blueprint. All right, that's all I've got planned for you today. Uh, it's been the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio, of course, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Ken Carmen, he takes it away. Coming up next. Have a good weekend, everybody. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.